If you're from the Charleston area, you've probably heard of our next guest. Shoot, you might even call him a friend. Andy Richardson is a Charlestonian and West Virginian to the core. He's served on city council, several local boards, and been a part of many community outreach programs as well. And like us, Andy is doing everything in his power to help create a better, more vibrant West Virginia. So in this episode, we reflect on the past, but we also dream about the future of the Mountain State. And he's one of the great networkers in the state of West Virginia. He's got friends in every corner, panhandle, coal field, you name it, and many of them I'm sure you've heard of. Today we talk about some guys like Bob Huggins, Jerry West, Hot Rod Hundley, and former Governor Gaston Caperton, and he shares some of his fond memories of those guys. So this is another fun, wide-ranging conversation with a proud West Virginian that we know you'll enjoy. And as always, this podcast is presented by Mr. B. Mace, hit the music. shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Okay, everybody, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Andy Richardson is our guest. Andy, what's going on, man? Hey, just uh, living the dream, man. There you go. You're in your uh, your little corner here. You've got some bookshelves behind you. What's uh, Do you have a go-to book or is that just for looks? Is that kind of... Oh, I've got a million books, man. And I'm in my home office today. Uh, But, um, you know, I I love to read uh, presidential biographies. And uh, uh, I I like I like biographies. I've also got an extensive collection of books about the Beatles. And I'm a basketball junkie. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All of those fit really well too. A little historian, <laughs> some music and some hoops that, that all makes sense, man. That's very cool. So, um, you know, I, I figured we'd just kind of start with how you kind of, how this even came to be because Andy, I've known you for a long time. Cooper and Mason were asking, you know, what's the deal? How do you know Andy? And I said, well, Andy's kind of been a mentor of mine for a while because coming up through scouts, troop 195 in particular, if you come up through troop 195, you know Andy Richardson really well because he's the guy that ends up signing you off on getting the next ranking. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And scouting. Uh, you you are one of my Eagle Scouts. Yeah, I am. I saw you had you've got it over 15 men or 25 men to Eagle Scout rank. I don't know what number oh. I am, but that was cool, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's it, a, it's yeah. it's uh, and 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 I'm especially proud uh, of each of them, but I'm particularly proud that one of them is my son Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What was his project? Sorry. So what was his project? Um, So over at, uh, they've actually changed it now, but over at Celebration Station next to um, Piedmont Elementary, Mm -hmm. uh, he created a little tricycle and and, uh, a tiny car path for um, younger children. Young kids. It had a little stoplight and um yeah it was it was fun it was a great project and he did a great job of of planning it and orchestrating it i was gonna say uh west virginia we've got like isn't like one of the largest like scout like what is it the that like annual thing that like a lot of people come to doesn't like tens of thousands of scouts they just had the world jamboree 
Yeah, mm-hmm. in 2019, we hosted the World Jamboree, and Summit Bechtel is now the permanent site for the uh, National Jamboree mm-hmm. every okay. four years. Uh, I think that the scout camp that uh, guys like us would have gone to uh, years ago, Dilly Mills over in Pocahontas County, I don't believe that it is um, used as much, if any, now. I think um, they closed it. I yeah, think I, they shut it off for, for scouts, at least. Yeah. No, that was uh, Dilly's Mailman. That's some great memories up there. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, an awesome place. As do I from yeah. way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. So, you know, it, it really has like your life has been a life of service. And we've had people on here that have discussed why they were on city council or in the House of Delegates. But it is different for you because it's been a service of certain aspects of not just, uh, you know, being on city council, but you've just been a service member to Charleston and West Virginia at large. Do you kind of feel like that has been, that kind of pinpoints maybe your your perspective as who you are and in, in a community member of West Virginia? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, West Virginia, you know, means a, a lot to me. And I grew up in Charleston and chose to return home uh, after completing my undergraduate and law degree at West Virginia University. And interestingly enough, uh, probably the the class I did poorest in throughout my entire academic career was criminal law. And yet, <laughs> uh, my first job out of law school, I was an assistant prosecuting attorney in the yep. Kanawha County Prosecutor's <laughs> Uh, and, and then, uh, beyond that, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've served on two city councils in both South Charleston and Charleston. I, uh, had to resign from the South Charleston city council in order to join governor Caperton's administration. Um, when he, so in 1985, I joined his company, McDonough Caperton insurance group, one of the one of the great, great success stories of, mm-hmm. of our state throughout its history in, in terms of business success. And uh, because of my involvement in politics, I ran his campaign in Kanawha County. And uh, he asked me to join his uh, cabinet. Uh, initially, I was over unemployment compensation, job service training, and then we added workers' compensation, uh, which was... Uh, the bane of my existence at the time. Uh, the state had, um, it had so much unfunded liability with that state. It, at that time, it was a monopoly state fund. And, and it had so much unfunded liability that we didn't even know how much it was. And um, I, I commissioned an audit and the uh, auditors, uh, I think it was, it was one of the big accounting firms. They came back and told me we were unauditable and gave me a 78 page draft management letter on what we needed to do to turn it around. That's not what you want to see. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it, it was, it was um, uh, interesting to say but, the least, but then in uh, we, you know, we ultimately, we made changes to the law that um, were very controversial. There were protesters <laughs> carrying signs that said fix comp fire andy oh uh, my gosh and, uh, <laughs> the, the uh but but at the end of the day in 1996 um we got a clean audit opinion which generated a clean audit opinion for the state of west virginia and led to the upgrade of the state's bond rating for the first time in 20 years so 
uh, I, I've had a life of, of public service uh, in a variety of ways, not just in government, but also uh, in the community like Boy Scouts or, or church basketball or yeah. various community boards. And Andy, I actually mentioned that I was talking with you and my mom. She worked for the state back um, in workers' comp, and then she was a part of like when they switched over to like Brick Street when it was like privatized. So she was familiar with your name, um, longtime CEO Greg Burton, and uh, that that right. whole that whole shift there. Um, but let me ask you this before, because I mean, you you've worn a million different hats, you know, just looking at your what you've accomplished and what you fought for West Virginia. But I always ask this question: Take me back to when you were you know, in college, young man growing up in West Virginia, I think all West Virginians are, were, um, we think about, okay, am I, it's almost like if I can uh, reach escape velocity and get out of this place, then I'm going to make it big, or I'm going to like achieve something, you know, bigger than West Virginia. There's a feeling of West Virginians that have that young people have that feeling. Some people do that and that's fine. That's great. Move out, do something different, explore the world. I'm a big advocate of it. I've moved out of the state. I've moved around. I actually encourage people to move around. You get to experience new things. Mm -hmm. No one's saying that you have to, you know, live and die and only be in West Virginia. But there's like, I think a like incorrect feeling that if you stay here, that's somehow giving up big dreams or that's giving up being productive or that's giving up being progressive in tackling issues. So when you were a young person, do you remember wrestling with the decision of like, do I try to go somewhere else or do I live and work in the community, which raised me and kind of what was your thought press on that as you kind of started building out an early career here in West Virginia? Oh, interesting question. I guess, um, you know, and when I finished law school, um, and, and I was about to get married, uh, mm-hmm. we thought about maybe moving someplace else. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a, as a lawyer and, uh, in, and an insurance executive, I mean, there are opportunities here that have always been here for me. Uh, right. And I also knew that with uh, our parents were all alive at that time. And, you know, I wanted them to be in the lives of our, our children who would eventually join us, right? And um, uh, Charleston in this region has historically been a great place to raise children. Uh, So uh, I had a great experience here growing up and I wanted uh, my children to have the same type of um, um, positive, supportive community. Who was it? Maybe... uh, uh, Hillary Clinton said it take, takes a village to raise a child. I think it was her. Anyway, whoever said it is right. I mean, it's not just a, a, a parental unit. It is a collective effort in a community. And, and this is a, if there's anything distinctive about West Virginia and is common in, you know, Wheeling, Martinsburg, Charleston, Bluefield, Huntington, it's this sense of community and commonality and um, a commitment to uh, family and supporting each other. And I do think the time that you grew up into, Charleston was a very different place. I mean, it was a booming, not a booming place, but it was much bigger than it is now. And I do feel like that there was a sense of community. Do you still feel like that sense of community is as common as it was before or maybe just a little different it's different everything's different today i mean um look at the uh, national political dialogue 
and right. how different it is. But uh, Charleston, West Virginia, in the 1960 census, had 85,000 residents, and yeah. Kanawha County had 260 some thousand residents. That's crazy. Uh, it, it was so. I, you know, I would have been a, a very, very small child in the 1960 census. By the time I finished high school, I don't know, probably 75,000 changes had happened. Um, I mean, I think that the, um, I think there were two things that were uh, major factors in the direction of the Kanawha Valley and the challenges that we face today. I think, um, first of all, um, I, I don't know what year it was, but in the mid 1960s, there was a referendum for a bond issue that would have built a new airport. They called it Midway Airport. And it was gonna be between uh, Charleston and Huntington and Cabell County voted yes. Kanawha County voted no. Putnam hmm. County voted yes. And a, and a, a new airport in that era uh, uh, would have changed the trajectory of the economy that um, I grew up in, that you grew up in. I mean, it would have been a serving, you know, eight or 900,000 people. Uh, it would have probably made things like Toyota a lot easier to develop. It would have uh, possibly meant no Marshall plane crash. Uh, it would have, wow. uh, uh, I, I mean, I just think that, that but, but, but Kanawha was doing well and had its own airport and, um, you know, didn't see the need. I mean, I, I don't know this, but my yeah. parents probably voted against it, right? Um, and then I think the second thing was when uh, Dow bought uh, Carbide, mm -hmm. you know, Carbide's entire research center was based in uh, uh, at the tech center up in South Charleston. You know, guys, when I was a kid, coal mining was something they did someplace else. We were the chemical capital of the world, yeah. okay? And, and that's what we caught ourselves. Now, um, there were repercussions from that, but it was also a very healthy economy. And right. when we lost the uh, tech center jobs, not only did we lose good high paying jobs, but we, we lost a regular circulation of people, uh, of high, highly skilled, highly educated, PhDs into the Kanawha Valley who helped run everything, not just, you know, as scientists at Union Carbide, but they ran everything from the local school board to the PTA to the West Virginia Symphony. Right. And um, I think those two uh, uh, items are, um, are um, threshold items on the direction that this region took. And, um, I mean, it's a great, it's still a great area, but it obviously doesn't have the same economic engine that it did then. You can check, but I think we were like bigger than Charlotte and bigger than Orlando. Of course, Orlando got the mouse and that made it grow. <laughs> Changed uh, its trajectory. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was an old, um, way, way back, we had a um, team in the Continental Football League, the Charleston Rockets. Yeah. And, um, Orlando was our rival. Hmm. Um, and, and well, then Wheeling. Wheeling had the Ironman. And so anyway, that to me, uh, yes, it's different, but I still think there's a sense of community. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you know, there's, um, um, but there's divisions in society today that go well beyond issues simply of community. What's up, everybody? This is the Mountaineer Roasting Coffee Break. You know the drill. Go to mountaineerroasting.com. Save yourself 15% when you use the code MEDIA15. That's M-E-D-I-A-1-5. That saves you 15%. You can order whole beans already ground up, espresso style, drip style, a couple different uh, blends. Order it right to your house. Have it delivered. It's West Virginia Roasted Fresh Coffee. Uh, Rusty and the whole crew up there support this podcast. So make sure to support them. That's mountaineerroasting.com. Use code media15. It is true. I didn't think about that. Like, it's so true. Um, I actually most like, like my most familiar kind of angle with that is of like, I I golf with a couple older individuals here. And like a lot of the public golf courses have since like uh, closed shop because they don't have um, really, they don't have the, the base of people of educated, you know, well-paying jobs that people that want to spend money at country clubs like out in South Charleston and Hurricane and the Scarlet Oaks and all these places that are like used to be private clubs that simply just can't afford to have it not only for an area you know it's important for an industry to exist I mean it, it provides jobs but then all the peripheral stuff like you mentioned that it supports like those same people go to networking events they sit on boards they run nonprofits. they they have kids that go to school so I mean all of that factors into an area of development um, and I, I think that is kind of true it's like the our, our generation the mid 20 mid 30s it feels like it's lacking a robust like uh, community of people that are in their mid twenties, thirties of like the professional thing, um, almost like aggregate around like so much. So like the chemical plant just was such a facilitator of that sector of society that fueled everything else. And I feel like that, I mean, I think West Virginia struggled, maybe the Charleston areas that struggle to identify what is that next kind of thing that can attract young professional high paying jobs in the area on a consistent well, basis. Big gig broadband is the, that's the recipe. And, and yeah. until we have that, I mean, this can be a, we just learned through the pandemic or continue to learn through the pandemic that um, working from home can be a good opportunity for people. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, if you like um, outdoor recreation activities, little lightning, I think all three of us are in Charleston, right? <laughs> little lightning there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, the sun does not always shine in West Virginia. <laughs> right? That's it. Uh, but but um, the, the, um, this, this can be a great place. Right. And it is a great place. But beyond the items that I just mentioned, you know, uh, banking consolidation changed the dynamics here, accounting firm consolidation, insurance agency consolidation, you know, things that we used to be. We used to have our own uh, enterprises. Yeah, I mentioned McDonough Caperton. McDonough Caperton mm-hmm. grew to be the 10th largest insurance agency in the United States. And uh, bef- before uh, it was sold. And honestly, uh, I think at one point with the administrative work that it did and so forth, it employed probably 1,200 people in the Kanawha Valley. And today, uh, the legacy of that is the West Virginia branch of a um, larger international insurance agency. The banking system, 
you know, uh, we've got a we've got a chase. We've got BBB, BBT Truist, or you know, the closest thing that we have to one of the old traditional um, banks based in Charleston's United, but United's technically based in Parkersburg and really based most of their business these days is in Northern Virginia. But the Charleston uh, center of that was um, KB&T, uh, Canal Banking and Trust. Yeah. But yeah. My point is that, you know, there were, I, I don't think that we've been very um, uh, malleable and flexible yeah. on uh, responding to changing economic dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a moment ago that as a child, mining was something they did someplace else and that we were the chemical capital of the world. Well, we still uh, have a significant chemical industry, but more and more uh, the, the region has become a one horse town and that's coal mining. And right. that's not healthy for the economy. And then, because if that declines, and then if everything's based off that, you know, everything else is going to suffer. Like if you have, you know, it's kind of like our, our I've called it like our greatest like blessing, and then like biggest kind of like poison pill. Because if if it we can't live and die by coal, because all the peripheral stuff that that goes along with it, sure it could support industry, but if that goes away, then now what? Um, well, and 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 so you guys go to college, and you have an opportunity to live anywhere and do anything, and it's not going to be retail and it's not going to be um mining so Mm -hmm. what is there that that west virginia offers and that's why for for an entrepreneur like you cooper you you know you can live basically anywhere if you've got the right broadband in place to execute your business and um and obviously cj uh is a local broadcaster and a little more hunkered down yet (laughs) a little little bit sure but but point being if you enjoy um the outdoors whitewater rafting uh mountain climbing uh uh, you know the various activities that we have in the this region um young people more and more like that but they like to be able to work from home and and so again uh, it's got to be um, uh, that we've got to get that big gig, 10 gig or higher broadband. Yeah. How do we, because we've asked people, we've asked everybody from John Chambers to Senator Manchin, from Brad Smith with Intuit, like, what is it? Because broadband, I agree. I mean, it is like the, it does, it, it allows us to operate in this new modern world. Like without that, people are disconnected. That affects healthcare, that affects job, you know, that affects every single thing is so much of our lives is based around technology. But looking at your, you know, CV, you've accomplished so much. You've, you've been a man of action. You, you know, I'm reading just and more I've learned about you. Um, you know, it seems like you're, you're focused on results and getting things done. But it feels like to me, the conversation around broadband is always like, it's the classic, like, they ought to, right? They ought to do that. They, who is they, right? Is that government? Is that private sector? Is that, like, how, in your opinion, when, you, when you've when you accomplished multi-million dollar projects, multi-million dollar, you know, industry for mixing business with state government politics, where does stuff like this start? Is, it, is our best hope, like, the $1.2 trillion 
infrastructure bill that just got passed through the Senate is our best hope to try to be like, have our senators include us. Hey, don't forget about us, like sneak in a billion dollars worth of that in a national size bill. Or how can like, how can your average West Virginian almost like participate and push our leaders to, to do something around broadband in your opinion, based on your decades of experience doing like complex projects like that? Well, I think that, um, you know, there are multiple problems associated with broadband. There's something approaching 20% of the state of West Virginia that doesn't have access to reliable right. internet broadband. That's wild. A, fifth, a fifth, a fifth, fifth of, of our state. state. And if you look at the um, um, efforts in the past to address problems, whether it be rural electrification, Mm -hmm. right or um, clean water and and I'm not speaking just of West Virginia I'll give you an example uh, out in um, the hill country where Lyndon Johnson was from uh, Fredericksburg and and Johnson City and Austin and and San Antonio all that region right there um, he he put in a series of dams that are great recreational spaces now, but the original purpose was to bring electricity to the hill country. Mm. And so you need that type of a commitment uh, in West Virginia generally in order to um, get us where we need to be to participate in this aspect of society that is a part of everyday life today. And oh, by the way, it's not going away. It's just going to get more sophisticated. Right. It's going to get a faster uh, upload, download. And so the question then becomes, is it, is it a private sector solution or is it a public sector solution? There's not a single answer that's the only right way to right. do it. I do mm -hmm. think that the federal money can potentially help um, seed where, whatever we do. You know, Chattanooga, uh, calls themselves Gigabit City. Uh, I, uh, uh, I, a few years ago, uh, in advocating Big Gig, I actually did a rap at a uh, conference of a, of a poem that I, I wrote. Yeah, it was interesting. If I find it, I can send it to you, CJ. But so where is that on YouTube? I know. By the way, I, I need to keep my day job, right? And, and, uh, uh, but, but, um, but nevertheless, uh, it, it, I wanted to replace, and I'd still like to replace Chattanooga as Gigabit City. Now, how did they do it? Well, they have a locally owned electric utility, and they put the broadband all through their right-of-ways with the uh, electric utility. If we did anything like that here, you'd almost have to do it through, for example, the um, Charleston Sanitary Board right-of-ways or something. Yeah. Uh, with with a public investment. But but even with a private investment, you know, the, the, the it's the it's the the roads and um, water and sewer and electricity that are the most common uh, vehicles to reach each individual household. So some yeah. way, somehow, I don't see us creating new right of ways to get that line out to where it needs to be um it's either going to be with a exist in partnership with an existing uh uh public right-of-way or an existing private right-of-way 
Yeah, I, I, that makes, makes sense. I'm looking up this article. As soon as you'd said that, I just typed it in. I, I Googled it, and it's, uh, it's uh, let's see, PC Mag. Gig City, how Chattanooga became a tech hub, and the subline is... The Tennessee, this, the Tennessee city's burgeoning tech sector is built on a vibrant startup ecosystem and cheap, fast internet from its citywide gigabit fiber network. That sounds like a fake headline right there. <laughs> you know, like cheap, fast internet. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a sign you see on a, you know, in Kanawha City, like wait, cheap, fast internet here. <laughs> you know? That's what we need. Yeah, it, it is, exactly. The that's yeah. the answer. I mean, imagine, yeah, imagine what that would unlock. I mean, imagine like if it's just... It would, it would affect every single industry. I mean, it almost feels like we should declare it like a statewide national. Like, oh, my gosh. An emergency. It's not a terrible idea. I know. <laughs> no, like, why not? I mean, <laughs> I mean, who would vote against? OK, if if the governor came on that, like our TVs and was like, we're actually going to invest six billion dollars. and We're going to treat this like a national emergency. We're going to electrify West Virginia. I don't think you'd have a single person be like, you know what? I don't know. I don't think we need. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there'd be public support around. I guess it's finding the dollars. Um, Mid pandemic, maybe not a great time to do that. If he did that tomorrow, well, maybe, maybe not, because think about like the healthcare. think about the healthcare aspect. Like if we need to be able to get accurate information, I need to be seen by a doctor. If I could be on an iPad in rural McDowell County getting seen by a sophisticated physician that lives in Charleston, how important would that be, right? To like rural yeah. medicine, and, and, telemedicine. And way, there are a variety of uh, workarounds, new developments that have occurred coming out of this pan, or not coming out of, but during this pandemic, one of which is the growth of telemedicine. Right. And, oh my gosh, and I think that um, based on the trends that I've read about, that's not going anywhere. It is going to continue. Yeah. It's going to continue to be a bigger part. Some of the, some of the state laws and maybe federal laws are going to, have to be adjusted to allow more use of telemedicine. But but again, we can't do telemedicine effectively in rural West Virginia. Can't get along uh, the line. <laughs> if, if we don't have internet, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what what does that mean for the people of uh, of, of Grant County or or Tyler County or Work County? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, means they're left out. Unfortunately let alone sections of Kanawha County or, or Cabell County or Monongalia County that, that don't have adequate um, internet. Yeah. Summertime is rolling on and guys, we're still in peak grilling season, whether it's chicken or beef or hamburgers or steaks. And what better way to spice up your meal than use a West Virginia original recipe seasoning. And that's Ray's Rub. Raised Rub is available on Amazon. You can use Amazon Prime, have it in your house uh, within what, two days, right? So shop them, go to Amazon, search Raised Rub. It's a $12 bottle and it's massive and it'll last many months in the kitchen or weeks, depending on how much you cook. Uh, but it's delicious stuff. They are a West Virginia small business and they support us. So we hope you support them. And the final thing we want to bring your attention to is Mountaineer Employment Solutions. And what's that? Well, they are a new wave, new era, disruptive, technology-driven employment and talent agency in the Mountain State. And if you go to beamountaineer.com, you can check out all the job openings that they have listed. They work for many different clients, so it's going to be a wide spectrum of jobs. But go to beamountaineer.com and you might get a conversation started about how you can find your maybe your forever job in the mountain state and you'll be a forever mountaineer. Uh, but also, hey, look, if you're listening and you're a business owner and you need help with staffing, they help you do that. The paperwork, the nitty gritty stuff that's sometimes complex and, you know, a little bit hard to do. They help you do it. So if you're a business owner, 
jump over to beamountaineer.com as well and get a conversation started and see how they can help you hire dozens of employees for your West Virginia small business. That's beamountaineer.com. Now let's get right back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, you can kind of envision what that what happens if we don't act on it in an urgent way. It's they're going to get left behind and there's going to have continues of, of communities of despair and poor health outcomes and lack of, you know, 21st century jobs. Right. So we we kind of can envision what would happen. It's just it, it feels like something that we just have to act on in like a, um, an FDR level 1930s, like almost like this has to be done for the state level. I know that's maybe. You know, like uh, whimsical or you know fantasy to think that we could mobilize and some some leader in the state would kind of I've like I've said before like I don't know if it's one person it definitely has to be almost just like a private public partnership type deal with a couple companies mm-hmm. um, and not to slander Sunlink and the uh, Frontier but like I think there, there's even a lawsuit with them like I live in I live in Elkview West Virginia so you know I live CJ lives in Woodbridge area we're like you said we're in Charleston and we experience consistent internet problems so like you can't you know and we're in the capital city we're within Kanawha County right so I think holding holding companies accountable um, it's tough to get people to invest if there's no net new revenue for them and things are people's bills are what they are and if you have average internet and you're basically trying to get the few companies that have been doing it for decades to do anything difficult, I think, or do anything more above and beyond. I think that's a difficult, it's a difficult sell for them to invest in it. Um, it almost has to come from like the top down and like a new project or like a, a significant project that is pumping real money and attention into it. A lot of, um, a lot of issues of this sort are which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. But clearly, this investment in big gig broadband is essential, um, certainly to thrive, but I could argue to survive right. uh, because uh, the world is just passing this region behind and um, we, we cannot allow that to happen. And so, you know, when you ask what, what made me come back here, yeah. which was your original question, you know, basically I felt like I could be, I could have a positive impact um, on this area. And, uh, you know, in some regards, I guess I have, um, certainly on a individual person by person basis, folks like CJ that, that, that are, were in the scout troop. I think I've, um, touched some lives. I would, you know, I, I taught at West Virginia university on Thursday nights. I drove Mm -hmm. up Never had a chance to take the class, but you were always there. I know. I mean, I'll tell you what happened. So Joyce McConnell, while she was Dean of the College of Law. Who is now at I, Colorado State. President and I of saw Colorado her a few State. weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this is wild as an aside. It was a, uh, a, a buddy of mine and I were there for a, another friend's uh, daughter's wedding. And, and on Sunday, we decided to go to the Rockies baseball game. And so we just buy tickets at the you know walk up and it said Colorado State University Day. So I oh, texted Joyce and she was and we there. ended up in her box. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> but it that's was yeah, that's neat. Her, but she was, she was concerned about the compositional skills of, of young people graduating from undergraduate school and entering law school. So I decided to teach a class on West Virginia government and politics. And I did it, uh, I think, seven years. Uh, I did not sign up to do it in 2018, 
because silly me, I thought I would be campaigning for mayor in <laughs> 2018. Uh, and that, that ended in the spring with a you know, loss in the primary. But um, it, it, I love doing that. And uh, I love the ideas that the young people would, would generate. Uh, and uh, it's probably of all the things I've done, what I've enjoyed the most was teaching. Yeah, helping Same kids. I, I would need that class because I feel like we don't get that anywhere. Like we don't really, we don't get that in public education. Like I don't, you know, maybe like a government like civics class, but mostly it's like at a national scale teaching you like the whatever three like you know three parts of government, but not like in a hyper tangible specific to like your region type of way mm -hmm. about West Virginia. I think that's that's fascinating. I would have liked to take that class. Well, the whole way we became a state is pretty fascinating. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. I guess I didn't campaign hard enough for you to for our friends to take that class, Andy. So I, I I'll take that one. I didn't let it Love up. Love you anyway, know. man. <laughs> so, <laughs> my bad. So like, okay, so you you have been here for you know a lifetime, but it's also given you an opportunity to meet incredible people. You you mentioned Joyce McConnell and other discussions. You know Bob Huggins. Um, you know um, you, you did know, a radio ad for me. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, when you ran yeah. for mayor, that's pretty cool. Was he cussing and yelling like he does on the side of the court? <laughs> no, I, I remember I that him though. I do say, remember that. Yeah. I wanted him to say and tell him hugs sent you, but he couldn't because that's part of the <laughs> trademarked. Uh, yeah, with, with the, with the uh, oh, oh, is it really? company that he does that for. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, well, and, and I've traveled a lot. That's the other thing. Just because you live in a small community doesn't mean you can't get around. I've been to most states, I've been to several foreign countries and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I and I've met a lot of people, probably uh, in the world of uh, government and um, um, basketball more than yeah. anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Wallace. I mean, he was the general former general managers of the general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, mm -hmm. He was the one that drafted Javon Carter. I mean, you have. You do. You, you're a basketball junkie, that's for sure. So you do know a lot of people in that realm. Yeah, Jerry West uh, uh, yeah. and I uh, are distantly related. Uh, Hot Rod oh. Hunley and I uh, got to be very close friends. He was, so you uh, did you go to school with Hot Rod or was he before you? Or? Oh, please. Are you Come serious? On he was he was before you. I know. Jerry Jerry was in the 50s. Hot Rod. Around <laughs> oh, my you were born goodness. in the 60s. All right, I get it now. Uh, I'm catching but, my timeline. But, but but Rod, um, uh, he did come back for the Charleston High School All Class Reunion, and uh, he came back frequently. Uh, and, uh, he kind of fell back in love with Charleston. But you know, he had a a horribly challenging uh, childhood. He was uh, abandoned by his mom when he was about two years old, and he um, his dad was an alcoholic and really not around and he ended up sort of passed around from home to home. And his, his main place that he lived was about, uh, it was directly across from uh, Clendenin Street from the Coliseum. And um, obviously there was no Coliseum at that time. And he, uh, in, in, in doing so, his room was a cot under the steps with a sheet pulled down. Yeah. I didn't realize no wow that's crazy uh, yeah the hot but, rod movie the hot rod film is fantastic for yeah. some background information on hot rod yeah 
Yeah. Interesting little tidbit, guys. Charleston High School is the only high school that's ever had two overall number one picks in the NBA draft. Oh, that is that is insane. Wow, that, about that is crazy. Yeah. Mark yeah. Workman and Rod Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Actually, I, I was just talking to John Antonic not too too long ago, who was a, a writer for West Virginia Athletics University Athletics, and and it is funny because Mark Workman kind of falls into a different like everybody remembers Hot Rod Jerry, but then Mark falls into like a different category of almost forgotten legends of West Virginia sports, and so yeah, we, uh, he he was a big guy, um, and 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 certainly probably. You know, they fed the ball into him and for close-in shots or whatever. But um, the the game was changing. Uh, it was a slower game, and and by the time Hot Rod was in uh, high school, uh, while Mark was up at WVU, uh, Rod it was a it was a faster game. And then Rod took us to the NCAA tournament. He was the first. Uh, you know, that his teams were the first to make it to the NCAA tournament. And, and he was, uh, I mean, he was the buzz man across the country. It was, yeah. uh, not, and you know, here's the, here's an interesting question. Would we have had Jerry West if we hadn't had Hot Rod Hunley? I right. mean, I'm, that's rhetorical. Obviously West ends up being the symbol of the NBA and one of the greatest players in the history of the game. But um, uh, he had to have been motivated by Rod Hunley when he was in junior high at Shillian, Rod was on the front page of the sports every day <laughs> in Charleston. Charleston High School. Yeah, yeah. And, and then why was it WVU the same while while Jerry was at East Bank? Well, that gives you like goosebumps to think about, and it's so like it's so baked into like the state's culture because I don't know is there I'm sure there is like not every state has like a professional team like or I don't know how many states like we don't have a professional football team we don't have a professional basketball team we don't have hockey we don't have baseball but we do have college athletics so then when we have these like figures they all they become legends within West Virginia culture like Jerry West the Bob Huggins I mean people that have come through Marshall, Randy Moss through Marshall, you know, I mean, we, these people become so supported by us because it's like our piece of like, like our example of the national stage. And we wear that with pride. Like that's a West Virginia guy, you know, like when it, when they're being talked about in a national way. Um, it's a part you, of the culture here and it might yeah. be because we don't have professional sports, but I think it's more, more broad than sports really, because mm -hmm. um, in, you know, when, when people look at a John Chambers uh, mm -hmm. or, or people look at a, uh, a Catherine Johnson, uh, you, you know, uh, Leon Sullivan. I mean, you know, we, we tend to take great pride mm -hmm. uh, in what developed here. Mm -hmm. and, and yet they <laughs> uh, inevitably make their um, name uh, in, a, in a different venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. I, I want like a history book of all of the streets in Charleston and why they're named certain things like McCorkle and Leon Sullivan. I want the, the background of all of those guys, too. I don't know if that exists or not, but that would be you make, cool. Yeah, you can make that. Uh, I, I, could I don't know anything. A lecture on it. <laughs> um, my friend, uh, he, he passed uh, this year, but my friend Chuck James and I uh, began years ago referring to people who descend from the folks that the streets are na named after, okay. we just call them street people. 
<laughs> street people well, there like you go that. cj you've got someone who can co-author that book with <laughs> yeah. you yeah um, exactly <laughs> but so so andy you've been when you, when you travel abroad too and i've got i've told this story a few times uh when i was abroad um you know people singing country roads to you you've you know you said you've mentioned that you've traveled through switzerland germany amsterdam when you're out in when you're out in the world even you know abroad in europe or out in other parts of the state um people and if you have a west virginia shirt on we all know this feeling is someone will come up to you and talk about West Virginia no problem you know if you're in a hat or a shirt and you're in an airport there will be another West Virginian um what is it you know do you get any good stories or fun people that you interact with um that you've met maybe from West Virginia um and then all of a sudden you realize that oh wait a second you're from an hour from where I live and it's like to me it, it always seems like happening it's almost like you can if you meet someone there's like a damn good chance that you or somehow know somebody that they know or have been somewhere that they've been um i think one that's a cool part of our culture that we're big enough but small enough to kind of like feel like we know everybody within the state um, but what are some of the things that kind of come to mind as you've traveled around and almost been a representative of the state to many degrees for west virginia but as uh, Tony Caridi likes to say, there's always a West Virginia connection. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a stunning uh, life experience. It's really a little more common now. I mean, I guess at some point it became, well, yep, there you go. There's another West Virginia connection. Yeah, it's That's comical right. sometimes. Yeah. It, it is. It is. Uh, right. Probably the most unusual. There was a, there was a great high school basketball player here in Polka named Tim Lyle. And um, when my son Coleman was uh, studying in the Czech Republic, my other son Chris and I went over to visit Coleman and we were standing in the, uh, um, it was a subway station in Prague, uh, Czech Republic. And um, I think all three of us were wearing West Virginia um, merchandise, right? Uh, mm -hmm. with the flying WV or Coleman may have even had on West Virginia State because he graduated from West Virginia State. And um, uh, this guy says, uh, he sees us and he says, hey, are you guys from, and um, Chris recognized him. Uh, Chris wow. is a basketball guy, right? Oh yeah. Right. And he says, hey, you're Tim Lyle. And we <laughs> struck up a conversation in the subway in, in Prague. Prague, Czech Republic. Wow. Literally on the other side of the planet <laughs> with a guy that grew up in Polka, played for Alan Osborne, played at James Madison, and, and then uh, had a uh, professional career. And, you know, he was um, playing in Prague at the time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so that's what he, he was professionally playing in Prague. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. We, we really haven't even talked about Chris either. He's a sports writer turned basketball coach and now he's the head basketball coach at Wheeling University I mean and he's with Deshaun Butler who's his assistant I mean a very another fascinating story just to see Chris's evolution as a you know young man basketball junkie to freaking oh, coach <laughs> it's you incredible can thank, you can thank the uh, Chris Wallace for getting that going and yeah Frank Oliverio uh, referred him to Mark Downey and Chris spent a year as a volunteer coach at Arkansas Tech, uh, sleeping on an air mattress and for 500 bucks a week, could. I'm sure, or for like a month, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and um, I mean, what he went through in order to pursue his dream 
is is very very impressive and um uh, he's a good coach uh both in terms of strategy and on court but also in terms of understanding the importance of developing uh young people into um productive parts of society and uh you're going to see a strong effort out of uh wheeling university this basketball season I think so too. They really turned it on there at the end of last season. And so I, I'm excited to see what's in Chris's future. It, it is exciting. Yeah, it very much exciting. so. So Andy, what's on your radar? You, um, you know, as we've highlighted and we honestly, it would take a, we'd have to have a special series to cover all the, the special things and important impactful things that you've done for the state of West Virginia. You mentioned you, you ran for mayor. It wasn't your time. Um, this past cycle, what's on your radar? What are some of your goals as you, um, you know, head into, like you said, we're still kind of in this pandemic, God, if we can hopefully get out of it, what are some of the things you're optimistic about? What are some of the things that you're kind of working on now? Um, um, well, I, I'm done running for public office. I, okay. I do know that, but I continue to serve our community uh, in, a, in a variety of ways. I am really excited with what's going on at the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center. Which you are a board member. The board, yeah. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, we've uh, contracted with a firm to manage and market. It's called OVG, and they are doing a great job. Um, and, and, and not just in terms of bringing in to, uh, good talent for shows, but also uh, convention business and things. Right. Like that. And that, that's a tremendous positive stimulus for the. Canal Valley region. I'd like to see us uh, uh, broaden the sports uh, tourism piece of the puzzle yeah. beyond just the um, soccer and softball fields at yeah. the Institute and maybe find a facility where we could permanently have uh, basketball and volleyball. Yeah. Uh, because it, uh, It's just a huge part of, of society today. In terms of other things, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm certainly enjoying um, the ability to have Chris closer to home. Uh, Coleman's in Los Angeles, a little, little heavier lift, but he'll be in for a week around Labor Day and be good to see him. Chris has the most adorable little boy in the world <laughs> um, who calls me Grandy. <laughs> That's pretty clever, actually. I like that. <laughs> I think good. Chris and Katie came up with it. But <laughs> it's pretty completely. Oh, wow. No, gosh, yeah. I, I don't know why it didn't. Yeah. It took me a minute. Yeah. Grady, yeah, that's you're clever, man. I like that. <laughs> Damn, that's, yeah, that's great. Uh, and so, uh, and then I, I, you know, I mean, I've continued to work in my day to day job and I'm uh, uh, looking to do some writing and things like that. I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll fill in where I can and mm -hmm. help out how I can. But um, in terms of running for public office or serving in state government or anything like that, uh, that's a part of my past. I'm very proud of what we've done, but we're going to move on to other opportunities to serve uh, this region and, and our country. There was one thing that you did send us about things that you've done in your past that I wanted to ask you about. You're a former eight track and cassette tape manufacturer. Quickly <laughs> give us the one-on-one. -on -one. Give us how, how do you make an eight track or a cassette tape? Don't you just reel the things around the, the holes? Well, you you just... got to put the plastic <laughs> together and everything. Yeah, that was a high school job. Uh, my brother Ray owned a, uh, a recording studio and they manufactured uh, eight tracks and uh, cassettes cool. on the side and 
uh yeah that was uh that was interesting oh. <laughs> your first uh yeah, shot first real job yeah everybody it's like oh bus tables or work to power park something like that you manufacture uh, tracks and kiss uh, paper boy yeah that's paper true boy. paper boy yeah. yeah all right yeah well well andy i will say i mean you, like i said uh, you, you've done a ton now i mean it's so important honestly for um you know i'm just i'm a passionate networker but folks like yourself that have uh had this experience and you know how you've you, you're someone that can say been there done that seen that knows how this kind of evolved like i think now it's especially within west virginia's kind of business climate and the way the things quote unquote get done it, it's a lot about like oh yeah i know this person and that person you can get a hold of these people like you know people right. in different areas of government and nonprofits and business so like i think it'll be the state's better off if you're like you're a deeply um like networker and connector of dots for a lot of people because even people like us like we might seek advice on how to maneuver around different areas of the state or, or people or groups um i think that's just so important for west virginians to like invest in that because that's something that's i think cherished within our culture is that like we, everyone does feel like an extension of friends and family and i think if we can continue to adopt that mindset i think that's how we're able to kind of band together and achieve things um so i'm sure that's deeply rewarding for you to be able to be like a connector of dots for a lot of groups and people now um, because of all your experience here over the last decades in the state thank you I, we we've got to we've got to open our eyes and open our minds and, and take new approaches to things. Uh, I, again, I believe broadband is vital for that, but I also believe that um, I like the initiative that uh, Brad Smith is doing and that Charleston and the uh, mm -hmm. area Alliance is doing uh, where, where we're trying to provide incentives for people to relocate here. One of the, one of the downsides of having the uh, chemical presence here and, and mining and other kinds of things is when you graduated from high school, uh, the, the expectation was that you would just get a job, you know, right. at plant. Oh, he got on at the plant. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, I think that limited the growth of entrepreneurialism mm -hmm. in West Virginia. And uh, we re I'm really pleased that the uh, both Marshall and West Virginia University business schools are pushing the envelope on teaching entrepreneurialism because you know what? No one's going to come fix what we need fixed. No. We've no. got to fix it ourselves. No. And, no. and to do that, we've got to grow the intellect here in, our, in the mountain state and help these young people uh, develop ideas that can take us to the next level in the 21st century. Yeah. Blend of big and small. I think mm -hmm. that is always ideal. Well, Andy, we've learned a lot. I'd like to say that we started this podcast to learn, laugh, problem solve a little bit and, uh, you know, learn a thing or two as well. And I learned uh, how to quickly um, upset the guest by incorrectly dating him. So we'll try <laughs> and avoid that going forward. Andy, thank you for spending. you didn't make me rap. No, yeah. no, we're yeah. going to YouTube. Actually, we're going to YouTube that down. I think if uh, we'll cut that into uh, the episode, yeah, we'll we find might that incorporate clip. that in the intro if we can. So yeah, Andy, yeah, yeah. thank you. We'll I enjoyed it. Certainly enjoyed Thanks, it. Thank guys. you for, thank you for uh, being a West Virginian and fighting for the state. So we appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up.
All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks to Andy for coming on. I owe a lot of my scouting and professional success to that man, so I'm glad that we were able to get him on here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. And for everyone listening, Andy wanted to get a final word in about two men who he has incredible respect for, Levi Phillips and the late Curtis Price. Both were stars on the hardwood at Charleston High in the late 60s, and they both went on to star at West Virginia University. So a really cool story from Charleston to WVU. And if you don't know much about these guys, Levi Phillips and Curtis Price, go check them out right now. A very, very interesting era of Mountaineer basketball they were a part of. So go check those guys out. So Andy, I'm sorry that we didn't get to discuss their legacy in detail. But again, thank you for coming on and talking about a ton of other topics, Charleston, and how we can better West Virginia as a whole. We really enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully everybody else did too. But with that, we're signing off. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon.